0: This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, my name is Paul Wheelock and welcome to your latest podcast on the Blood Red channel. International breaks give you the chance to reflect, but I don't think you'll find a single Liverpool supporter who would argue with the move Jurgen Klopp made in the summer when he signed Alisson Becker and ended any hope Lodice Carius had of starting the season as the club's number one. But questionable Instagram videos aside, it was still hard not to feel a degree of sympathy for Karius after his Champions League final nightmare carried over into pre-season. Now if reports have you believe, the start to his two-year loan spell with Besiktas in the Turkish Super League has continued on the same theme. So to find out whether that's true or not, and to see if Karius will be returning to Anfield sooner than expected, I spoke to Turkish football expert Emre Saragul. Emre is based in London, but he's got close contacts with Turkey's leading clubs, including Besiktas, and he gave me the real story of the German goalkeeper's time in Istanbul so far. It makes for interesting listening. Emre also gave me the inside track on the chances of three more Liverpool players joining Karius in Turkey in January, and the role being played by a certain Damian Kamoli. I hope you enjoy this show, and if you get a chance, it'd be great if you could subscribe, rate and review the podcast we produce on the Blood Red channel.
1: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool
0: Echo. Well hi Amory. Thank you very much for joining me on this podcast to talk Loris Caddius and a few other things that hopefully our our listeners will be interested by. How are you, mate? You okay?
1: Oh good, thanks. How
0: are you? Yeah, not bad. Looking forward to the real football returning this weekend after the international <laughs> break. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about one player who's currently not at Liverpool, but uh, he's still obviously in the minds of uh, Liverpool supporters, and that's Loris Karius. Uh, his future looks set to be a big talking point of the summer uh, until Jurgen Klopp signed Alisson Becker and, and Karius was subsequently sent on a two-year loan to Besiktas. Now, the reports we've received back here on Merseyside have not always been that flattering. How, how exactly is he getting on?
1: I think the media has been a bit unfair and, and I um, need to point out what's going on with Carius is that he hasn't actually been that bad. Nowhere near as bad as has been made out. Um, what's happening is the Turkish media have clocked on to the realisation that if they pull out a bad news on Carius it's going to get picked up over here. So what they're doing is pulling out news that isn't completely accurate um, and pretty. They, they put out a lot of sensational stuff because they know it's going to get traction over in England. So obviously in today's era traffic's very important so they're going for the traffic but I mean in terms of how he's actually been doing he's actually been well received by the fans um, I've spoken to the club directly they're pleased with him um, the manager's kept him as his first choice goalkeeper and I think a lot of it's just been blown out of proportion
0: Yeah, and it, because you look at it, it it's interesting to me to say that, because say the naked eye would say he's played 11 games he's conceded 16, but I've been reading some of your stuff, could you just uh, you know explain to people that it, there are mitigating circumstances for that, not just his own form, is, is, is it a bit of a different time for b at the moment?
1: Yes, well, I mean statistics only tell part of the story, that's, that's part of the problem when just looking solely at the stats. I mean, on paper, I agree. It doesn't look... It isn't great reading. He's conceded about 16 goals in 11 or so games. Um, but I I would say he's not been the main problem. The defence has been pretty shambolic. Um, Pepe's been in and out of injury. They haven't really had the synergy with their centre-back pairings. Um, there's been problems at full-back. Problems with the defensive midfield. Just the entire defensive organisation of the team has been very poor this season. They're having a, um, a a pretty bad season, a pretty bad start to the season, and Carries has been made a scapegoat when, in fact, he I mean it, it, he can't do anything about the state of the defending. And I mean, if you look at some of the goals he's conceded, there's been about. Four goals that are almost identical coming from um, set pieces, from crosses that have gone in on the near post, which could have easily been avoided. Um, there is, I would say, one one aspect of his game I've, I've noticed that he could do a bit of work on his dealing with aerial balls and crosses in general because he hasn't looked too comfortable. But I think part of the problem is um, he... The defence has been in disarray, like I said, and he's having difficulty commanding the defence. Could that that be down to a language barrier, perhaps? But um, it's something that he needs to work on.
0: Yeah, you you talk about crosses. The, the one that's probably been picked up and it, it goes back to your point, by right? things getting sensationalised about Karius at the moment was in the Europa League against Malmo and there were a lot of people saying he should have dealt with it. I know it went down as an own goal, but it obviously it was all over Twitter. It was on YouTube. Is that a one-off though? You know, the other goals he's conceded have not been, you know, bloopers, so to speak.
1: I mean, the goal that everyone said was a blooper. It, he, he's quite unlucky. I mean, he's conceded three own goals and that goal that was a blooper was actually an own goal. It took a wicked deflection. I mean, could he have done better? Perhaps. But I mean, I don't think if another goalkeeper conceded that, the um, I mean, there would have been such an outrage as what happened with Carrius. I mean, he, he was destroyed after that goal when, I mean, it wasn't, he wasn't completely to blame. <clears throat> So he he, I mean he's letting three to four own goals. He's letting about four goals off the near post, which could have easily prevented. So there's there's I uh, I mean it's I feel he's really unlucky. He's been very unlucky, and there are game there are aspects that he needs to work on, like I said. But I mean, if you the reports that have been coming over, for example, there's been this almost weekly report that carriers is about to get dropped that's just completely false there's been nothing like that i've spoken to the manager and they have no idea where these stories are coming from then there was a story that carriers is going to get swapped i mean sent back in january i mean that's also completely fabricated has no basis in reality and then they said they were going to send him back and bring Origi. I mean, these stories are, are pretty fanciful, and I think if anyone looks into them in detail, they'll see how, uh, like, just just how ridiculous some of these stories are. And then there's also his, uh, they, I mean, an- another part of the the whole career. <sighs> experience so far in in turkey has been he's been labeled a bit of a casanova (laughs) (laughs) so they're saying um he's been apparently messaging girls on instagram and sliding into their dms (laughs) but he's a single guy uh he hasn't committed a crime and the girls who have been reporting this some of them have even owned up and said look it's not really that big a new story. He's a, he's a single guy and he messaged a girl on Instagram. It shouldn't even be a story, but it is.
0: Yeah. If, if, but on the good side of that, I suppose it, you know, I can't I don't think I would have been alone in, in worrying about a bit about his state of mind after what happened in the Champions League final in Kiev. And it that, that kind of cloud did seem to to hang over him in preseason in the games he played for Liverpool. But has he been popular in Turkey? You know, it seems like he's getting himself out and about in the city. He's not locked himself away.
1: Oh no, he's actually I think he's done a great job getting to know the fans, getting to know the club. He's all he's often seen in the Beşiktaş area. So Beşiktaş is an area of Istanbul, which is, um, is a residential area. There's lots of cafes and um, restaurants. It's pretty central. So he, I mean, in general, when players go to Turkey, especially players from abroad, they like to go to the outskirts and not really um, get involved with the fans and daily life in in the main in the downtown areas of the city. But Karius is always seen in the cafes, In restaurants he he's always talking with fans he's you can see him taking photos and selfies with them or having a convo so i think the fans have actually taken to him um in general there's there's a pretty good perception of him i'm on the fan base and he isn't one of the players that the fans are unhappy with in terms of the team's recent form so from i mean that side of things i think he's done a great job and It's been pretty good for his confidence because once the fans get behind you, especially in Turkey, um, I mean, they really get behind you. They call you over after every game. They'll do do chants for him and so forth. So, I mean, in terms of how he's gone down, it's been um, pretty good. I think he's done a good job for his confidence.
0: Yeah, and that that was so important because I'm sure it was absolutely shattered after what happened in the Champions League final. Yeah. Uh, and, and you say that you've spoken to the manager, you've spoken to the people behind the scenes. So this two-year loan deal, I think there's an obligation at the end of it to make it a permanent. There's nothing changed then. It's all still very much on track. They're happy with him and, you know, give it a couple of years and he could be a big success player permanently.
1: Yeah, nothing's changed. They're happy with him. I mean, he's gone through his settling in process has been pretty quick. I mean, players don't always settle well to a completely new surrounding, a new country, a new language. So they're actually very happy with how well he settled in and he's gone out of his way to um, get a... He's staying near the Beshutosh area instead of on the outskirts. So he's done an active effort to get in and um, be a part of the club and the tradition and the culture. So they're happy. The manager has been playing him um, as his first choice goalkeeper. I mean, the last two games he didn't play, and that was reported as, oh, he's finally been dropped. Yeah. But he, he wasn't dropped. I mean, he, he had a back spasm. <clears throat> so it was down to injury that like he wasn't in the team. And now he's recovered. Um, I fully expect him to be back in the starting lineup. So the club won him, and like you said, He's not returning in January. They, in realistically, they're looking at trying to sign him on a permanent over the course of this two-year loan deal. But they're also aware if he returns to form, um, perhaps it could be difficult because at the end of the day, there's this seems to be this impression that he's yeah. a terrible goalkeeper when in reality he's not that bad and in goalkeeping years he's 25 years old he's got a little time to get his career back on track
0: yeah I, I do I do feel for him I think ultimately Jurgen Klopp made the right call I think he had to get a new goalkeeper in for Liverpool yeah. given given what happened in the Champions League and then given what happened in the summer but he, he, you do feel for him don't you? it seems to be hard to escape those images of Kiev but it sounds like this move could be could be the making of him again
1: yeah hopefully I think the one, the one thing he could do with is maybe I' oh, in a PR team or something because he, <laughs> he gets himself in these situations. Like he, he did this, a similar thing to what happened with Liverpool. I mean, after the Champions League final, I think a lot of people did sympathize with him. But then he went on social media and did these these weird videos. and <laughs>
0: watched style videos. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, he, he did the same again. I mean, after a few bad results, he was sharing these bizarre photographs on Instagram which got people thinking, hang on a minute, I mean this isn't the time for this. What's this got to do with anything? Everyone's upset right now. So I mean he he could really do with maybe toning down what he puts out on social media or at least work on his timing a bit. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
0: Yeah. I think Liverpool fans would agree with you that. I think uh, <laughs> yeah. there was a lot of sympathy for him after what happened in Kiev, but he lost a bit of it with something he put on Instagram over the summer. But that, now it's he's, he's, he's not Liverpool's concern as such because he's with Besiktas. And Besiktas is <laughs> yeah. concern, I imagine. is he's, he's getting back <laughs> higher up the league, isn't it? Because the seventh at the moment is... Yeah. You know, what's happening there? Because people, probably English football fans, will always expect them to be near the top.
1: Yeah, well, they've had a pretty poor start to the season but it's still very early and I expect them to get back at least in the top four they're, um, they're nine points off the top the leaders here who have been um, <clears throat> the surprise team for the past couple of seasons now I mean it's, it's not even a surprise anymore they're, they're a well run club they don't have many fans they're a new club but they're doing a good job they're very well organised and well run but as far as Beshutos are concerned, there is a problem. They have they don't have a they've got a big problem up front. So they sold Jenk Tosun to um, Liverpool's rivals, Everton. And they they need to have a good January and they're looking at a few transfers and they need a striker, which is why they keep being linked with different forwards um, in in January. So I think with a bit of tweaking they'll get back on track. But it's a pivotal point of the season right now. They need a few good results. They've only won about one in their last um, seven, eight games in all competitions. So, I mean, they've had an international break now to try and get the house back in order. So it's going to be a big few weeks now until the end of the winter break.
0: Of course. And it's not only Besiktas, who are off the pace a little bit. I know Galatasaray is second, but Fenerbahce is 13th. Is, is there a bit of a changing of the guard in Turkish football at the moment?
1: Well, what's happening is the there was traditionally three big clubs, so Galatasaray, Besiktas and Fenerbahce. But what's been happening is the other teams are improving. The, the broadcasting... Um, television revenues have been increasing, the money entering the league's increasing, so this has been shared out among some of the other clubs, and they're starting to attract more investment. So they've been improving, and I'd say they're developing at a faster rate than the established clubs who who felt um, we're already at the top, we don't really need to worry about this. But now it's starting to become a problem for them because they used to go to away games and roll over just... I mean, beat everyone. It was it, it was a free horse race. But now, I mean, they're going away losing to teams they were traditionally beat, and they're confused. They need to make changes. The leagues become a lot more competitive. I mean, over the last two three seasons, it's gone down to the wire every every year. So is I think there's a transition right now in Turkish football where the the league is getting stronger. The not The teams outside the traditional powerhouses are bucking up their their act and improving. And um, in in general, it's making for a more competitive league, but obviously the big teams, they're upset because (laughs) they're not used to this.
0: Yeah, but it makes it great for the league and you, you say it's getting stronger football-wise, it's getting stronger financially-wise and if anyone follows you on Twitter like I do, I uh, would have seen that the reports recently that it's now the sixth biggest football economy in Europe. You know what that means? Even better foreign players coming over. Is, is it an attractive league now? Is it a, a developing league for foreign players?
1: It's, um, I mean, before what they would do is bring players who are maybe approaching the end of their career. So they would be quite twilight years of their career 30 to 35 year olds um, paying over the odds of them but what's been happening recently is they're they're attracting a higher caliber of um, foreign player who's also younger so their scouting networks are improving and, and obviously uh, younger foreign players are starting to realize they could go to these clubs get trained up make a name for themselves and then go to another league say, in the top five, hope like, obviously, Premier League and La Liga's on everyone's um, agenda. So, I mean, the, it is improving, but I think what is most important for the Turkish League is for them to develop their own players because they, they've they had no problem bringing in players, but for a country with a population of 80 million and the youngest Um, age group I mean as as a percentage they're the youngest population in the UEFA zone they should be producing a lot more players and considering the difference between the Turkish lira and the euro and the pound were they to sell players to Europe it would be more beneficial for them but the problem is they haven't focused on youth development for a long time and now that's changed over the past few years so you're getting better players coming out of Turkey I mean, you've got Genghis Under at Roma, and Leicester recently signed that, Charles um, to for 20 million. He also came up from the Turkish League. Um, so so that's what I think we're going to see change over the next few years. There's going to be a lot more players coming out of Turkey who are going to be moving to the top five leagues should
0: there any players in particular, young players, Liberal fans should be aware of, that may come on their radar or other big Premier League clubs' radar in the in the coming years? Well,
1: I think right now um, there's a club called Alton who everyone should be keeping a close eye on. And they're in the second tier right now. But I mean, their aim is to make... It's like a Bilbao, athletic, Bilbao yeah. can- Cantera system. So they're making a completely homegrown side they're not transferring any players in from outside. Their um, facilities are very impressive. They've got grounds all over the west of Turkey. They've they're produced some very impressive talents. Those two players I mentioned, they're from their academy. And I just see that um, improving as the years go on with that club. But in terms of now, right now there's a few good defenders who look pretty exciting. There's a 21-year-old defender who's on loan from Sporting Lisbon called uh, Merit Demiral. Um, there's an 18-year-old defender playing first team for Galatasaray called Ozan Kabak. And there's also a defender at Bursaspor called Ertul Erso, he's 21. So there's a few defenders coming through which you don't really associate with Turkish football, but that's the way it's going right now.
0: Just before we finish, i ask you about a couple of defenders who play for Liverpool, who have been linked with a move to Turkey. Uh, Joel Matip, uh, who's been linked with Fenerbahce, who, if people who are listening are not aware, are now under the caretaker control of Erwin Kuhnman, Ronald's brother, after Philip Kakou was sacked. Uh, and then today, just before we speak, I, I noticed some uh, reports on News Now about Alberto Moreno, who's a free transfer at the end of the season, going to Fenerbahce. Can you shed any light on uh, the, the veracity of those reports? Uh-huh.
1: So what's going on with Fenerbahce is their sporting director is Damien us. Yeah, none of them yeah,
0: yeah. Damien Kamoli.
1: So he's trying to pull strings with his old connections at Liverpool and the Premier League cl- clubs that he used to be at. So, I mean, they need defenders. They need a complete squad overall. So he has been reaching out for um, Matip. Um, whether what, what happens with that we will see but he, he is a target for the club um, with regards to Origi <clears throat> Galatasaray have made an approach for Origi they want him on loan but I think Liverpool want to keep him closer to home right now and Galatasaray aren't going to pay 20 million or a permanent fee because of financial fair play so they're only looking for a loan. It looks pretty unlikely right now, but you never know the transfer window. Yeah. If he hasn't got an offer from a permanent offer towards the end of the towards the end of January, that could all change. Um but regardless of regards for they're going to try Komoli's gonna try and poach a few players if he can, especially if he can get loan deals or free transfers. I don't think we're gonna see any um, offers for a permanent move in January because right now they're under financial scrutiny from Financial Fair Play, so they have to curb their spending this winter and plan ahead for the summer. So I think that's what we're going to see.
0: How is his uh, appointment being taken in Turkey, Kamoli? You know, he wasn't held with the best regard by Liverpool. He, he, it's a big position. He's got their director of football. Is that right?
1: Yes. I mean, he was. So what happened with Fenerbahce is they have a new club president called Ali Koch, who is from the Koch family, who are one of the most powerful, influential families in Turkey. Um, certain brands such as um, Beko and others are part of their, their group. So there's, there was so, a very high expectation when he took charge of how he's going to transform the club. And all the changes that he's gonna bring in. So Damien Camoli was one of his star names that he brought onto the team. But um, it's been a bit of a mixed, he's had a mixed response so far because I mean just a few weeks ago Feneva actually were hovering above the relegation zone, which is just unthinkable. It's I mean, it's just a complete enough to shock. Nobody was expecting that so he's under a lot of pressure to deliver. So he needs to make a few transfers that are going to make a difference because so far it just hasn't worked. I mean, the appointment of Philip Koku, as you mentioned, it did completely fail, and now he's been fired. Funnily enough, his assistant, Erwin Kuman has managed to get a few good results together. But Camoli needs to make a few um, clever moves otherwise I think it's going to be difficult seeing him having a long-term future at the club
0: No problem Just a final one you mentioned Arigi who has been heavily linked with Galatasaray which which you, you said there you give us the insight into it it may not be a permanent deal it may be a loan but would he get game time there at Galatasaray because that's the one thing he's lacking here he's, he's, his appearances this season you can count on one hand would he get a game at Galatasaray would he start in the starting lineup?
1: Oh definitely if he were to move in January he would start as long as he stays injury free he'd start every game until the end of the season because they currently have just one out and out striker and he's injured half the time so he's been playing wingers as makeshift forwards he's even been playing defenders up front Mm -hmm. at times and this is a team who are the reigning champions and they're playing champions league football i mean It's a major, major issue for them right now. So they are desperate for a striker and whoever they get is going to play, 100%. Um,
0: Emre, thank you very much for joining us. I really enjoyed speaking to you and listening to your views on Turkish football, Karius Origi, Matip Kamoli. I hope our listeners enjoyed it as well.
1: Thank you. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.